Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. I am very excited about our guest today because this man, who I just met on the phone for the first time, has been a big influence in my life for many years. His name is Hal Higdon. And Hal, for anyone who's ever done any kind of long-distance running or whether you've done a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or all the other events that are out there, uh, Hal is the legend of how to train, and how to prep and how to actually run one of these long-distance runs. He's been at this a long, long time. He started in high school in 1947. He's gone to the Olympic trials eight times for the love of Mary and an absolute legend. And he developed a system that was transformative in helping ordinary, everyday characters like myself run a half marathon or a marathon and so Hal it is a great honor and privilege to have you on our podcast today thanks for joining me Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you Brian well I'm going to dive in here because we're going to talk about running we're going to talk about a little bit about your system but I'm also going to make applications for people here today who may be not runners or who even don't want to run because I believe in your system there is a methodology that doesn't just work for running but it works for a lot of life and a lot of business and a lot of when you're faced with difficult or overwhelming situations and circumstances, I think the system you develop for running, I, I've applied it in regards to our real estate training company. I developed a system that was kind of somewhat inspired by your methodology for helping people run a marathon. So uh, I'm happy to share that stuff here today as well. But let's kind of dive in if we can. I kind of gave an instant fly over there. Talk to me about back in the day, what got you interested in, in long distance running? Well, I grew up on the great south side of Chicago, where a lot of my neighbors would have appreciated the music that uh, led into this show. And I went to uh, high school at the University of Chicago Laboratory School, and it was a two-year school back then. And just before graduating, I thought I might go out for track and see if I could uh, win a letter to impress my girlfriend if she needed impressing, and uh, discovered I had a little bit of talent, placed fourth in the conference. Uh, in the mile with a mile that was seems very, very slow today, yeah. but it proved that I had a little bit of talent. Uh, but of course, I wasted some of that talent because I shifted uh, schools and lost a year of eligibility because of that shift and uh, sort of got away from running and uh, did foolish things like uh, played uh, uh, touch football with all of my buddies after school instead of studying, but uh, eventually got back into uh, running, went away to uh, Carleton College up in Northfield, uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, had some success there, graduated and realized that I had not quite fulfilled all the talent that God had given me, and uh, I just did not stop running. And that was very unusual uh, back in those days because uh, if, if you weren't running in high school on a track team or in college on a track team, you wouldn't run. You know, right. nobody was running back then. There were no joggers. Jog- the world 
word jogging had not been invented. And uh, the other thing, there were no women runners. My goodness, yeah. the thought that a woman could ever run a marathon was so far out of the thought nobody ever had it. So I just sort of kept going, and uh, here I am. I never knew I would be running at this time of my uh, life, this point of my career, but here I am, and I uh, keep active every day. Well, no doubt, and it's uh, inspirational and encouraging for everybody. You have helped more people run longer distances than anybody in the world, and you developed a methodology that's, that's just been transformative. I myself, now I was a soccer player. You know, the runners call me the Clydesdale body, right? I'm thick. I got thick legs. I was a sprinter, and I ended up getting a serious motorcycle accident. That all went away, and I couldn't do, you know, any of the stuff I used to do for years. I always liked to sweat, and I liked the feeling when I ran, but I was never any good at it. And so I started looking around, and I found this little Hal Higdon system, and within a couple of years, I was running a half marathon every other month, and I did that for a number of years. This system, which at the time, when somebody's talking about running a half marathon or a marathon, it seems so overwhelming to do that, especially when somebody's starting out. But you developed this program, and I, and I have it in my mind. I remember it. was like, okay, we're resting on Monday. We're doing three miles on Tuesday. We're running two miles on Wednesday, three miles on Thursday. We're resting on Friday. We got the CrossFit on Saturday, and we're going to run four or five miles on the Sunday, you know? And then it grows and it grows, and you go further and further with the long run. Talk to me about this system and how you figured out that not just doing the same thing every day, but this kind of up and down pattern, this wavelength pattern of how you train people. How did you ever come across that? Well, it's sort of by accident. It's sort of something that evolved. Uh, I didn't start out to have a system, but uh, I was invited by a friend of mine, Ron Gunn, who was the athletic director and track coach at Southwestern Michigan College, uh, and where my uh, oldest son, Kevin, went to school. Um, he decided uh, to found a class for older joggers, people in the Rotary Club in the church of uh, this little town of Dwajek, Michigan, and he invited me to come down and work with them. And I found out th this was late in my life, uh, theoretically, uh, some dec decades ago, but long after my competitive career. Had and uh, that uh, it was a lot of fun working with these people. And I could see these people who had uh, zero levels of fitness uh, moving up to after a certain amount of training, um, you know, were able to finish marathons. And mm -hmm. then not too long after that, that same son, after he graduated from uh, college, decided he wanted to qualify for the uh, Olympic trials and the marathon. And I trained him. And he was working for Pete Marwick, an accounting firm in Chicago, didn't have a lot of time on his hands, but had a lot of desire. And so we put together a program that overloaded his training onto the weekend when Saturday, Sunday, when he had time, he could put in a lot of miles. He could put in a long run of uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 miles. Uh, but be, in order to be able to handle the, the overloading on the weekend, he had to rest on the Friday before and also rest on Monday to recover. Now, rest for him might be going out and running five or ten uh, miles because he was at that level of competitive ability, but it sort of taught me at that point that you could do something that would work into people's average schedules. In other words, they could do a little bit of jogging during the week, do some running, and then um, take a day off, uh, uh, get ready, and then run hard on the weekend, take another day off, and gradually over a period of uh, weeks and months, gradually increase the mileage to the point where, before you knew it, they were sitting on the starting line of a 
uh, a marathon. Right. I just find that the applications for me are all across life. You rest to prep, and then you rest to recover. You said the phrase, before you know it. I, I, I've had this experience. I remember the first time, I was like, I don't know, because I had this serious motorcycle accident that affected my back as well. I'm like, how am I going to do this wherever else? I could see myself running three miles. I could see myself the next day running two miles. I could see myself the next day running three miles. And then I could do the five miles on the weekend. And like I said, before you know it, I'm doing these half marathons. And I'm like, looking back at it, I was like, how in the heck did I ever do that? And I think that's the same with all achievement. I think it's, I think most people who have become very successful economically or successful in businesses, they have the same pattern. And then, like you say, before you know it, you're there. What, what do you say to folks, whether it's running or anything else, when it's just the day you wake up and you don't want to put the shoes on, you don't want to get out, you, you're just not motivated to do it? What do you say to folks that are in that spot? And it's just, this is the day I don't want to do it. Well, that's one of the reasons we have a program, mm -hmm. uh, because people will go into my website, and there's a printer-friendly button, and they click down, they print out my schedule, they attach it to the refrigerator, and the refrigerator schedule just glares at them right. every time they walk through the, <laughs> the kitchen, and it motivates them to get out the door. Right. So I think, you know, you, you, you have a goal. Basically, I think one of the most important things, Brian, is to establish a goal, know where you're going to be long range, whether it's a few months from now or a few years from now and uh, work toward that goal. And the important thing I would say is what very, very helpful is that uh, printer-friendly schedule because uh, don't do it alone because there's a lot of information that can be gleaned on the Internet. I'm probably responsible for a, a lot of it about yeah. running. And uh, learn from other people, learn from other runners and, and enjoy life. And also try to pick places that are going to be fun so you know it doesn't have to be a, a, a dreadful course that you run every day pick something that's exciting fun and maybe uh, treat yourself by going off and if you're going to be doing a long run you can do it out in uh, in the woods or in the park and uh, make make running fun and i think if you can make running fun and once you get into it you realize that it is fun and it's not a drag then that helps uh, motivate you along i i've never had a problem motivating myself because simply i've loved running and so it was something i loved to do and uh, it was going to be the best hour of the day and i was just going to embrace it right it's awesome stuff by the way for those listening it's hal higdon h-a-l higdon h-i-g-d-o-n.com and that's where i found my resources years ago. I think I bought the first and second editions of your book, so I'm looking forward to getting the new fifth edition. And if you listened intently, folks, you heard the magic formula, the formula we talk about in all of success. Establish a goal, don't go it alone, and then make it fun. That shows up in everything. And of all the different people we've interviewed, Hal, and our own success in coaching tens of thousands of business owners, these things keep coming up over and over again. And this is where, right, this is where the motivation comes from. You know, one of the things for you, again, you loved, you loved running. Some people do it as a routine. Some people may not love it, but it's very good for them. They love the feeling of it, but maybe not the work of it. What do you say to someone maybe who's, who's struggling a bit? You know, they're not making progress. They're not getting the, the results they want to get. They're not improving. What would you say to somebody like that? Now, they're probably pushing themselves too hard. Maybe they set a goal too high. Maybe they need to lower the bar just a little bit 
to get over that bar so they can get up to the next bar, which is slightly higher, and the bar after that, which is higher still, and eventually get to that uh, goal, which for many people is a marathon, other people it's a half marathon. So basically you sort of have to continue to motivate yourself on a, a, a daily basis and keep in mind the amount of the goal. Now, you know, the marathon is the real goal, but I've heard time after time after time runners who've worked in my program told me that they've enjoyed the 18 weeks or whatever time length leading up to the marathon. That was really the fun part. In other words, the marathon forced them to do something that originally they did not want to do, but then once they got into the doing of it, two, three weeks into the program after their fitness begins to develop, they suddenly realized that this was something that they could do something that they could accomplish, whether it's a bucket list or something or whether a box to check off and go for that final goal, whether you're going to run another marathon, doesn't really matter. You've had that achievement. You know, who knows, you might be running 50 or 100 or 111 marathons like me. Wow. You know, for me personally, you know, I've had some knee surgeries and stuff that put me on the bench. When I've been out and unable to follow the program and unable to compete, it wasn't that I missed the racing or I missed the medal. I missed the routine, and it was the day-to-day routine that it kind of gave me a structure. My mind could unwind. I could get things off my chest, kind of think things through, and it became like a little safe place. You're not watching uh, videos or you're not watching your phone. You're not listening to CNN or the news or whatever else. You're, you're just there. I found that I missed that more than I did the actual racing. And I've always thought that there's a single word that's the most important thing about running and the most important thing about um, success in running, and that word is consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not how hard you train, but the fact that you continue to train over a long, long period of time, you're consistent in your training, and it's not like you you work out hard for a day or two, but then you take the next four days off. You probably wasted a lot of the training. So consistency is real key in uh, doing anything, I'm you know you relate to a lot of things besides running. Right, uh, I, I can see that word reverberating through your sure. entire um, life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, one of the things that you talk about in your book is having the the right stuff to be a, a champion. And I mentioned uh, when we were talking before we started here, you know, a couple of champions. One of our clients for 25 years is Kathy Martin. So Kathy Martin, as a realtor. She wanted to do running. She she loved running in her younger days. She you know she had babies. She stopped running, and then she was you know real estate can be this all-consuming business. Her goal was to get back to running, and we were like, if you become a better runner, you'll become a better realtor. Right. And she took us serious at that and became the balance. And she's become the all-time women's masters champion, set more records and won more events than any woman in masters running history. And she's the running realtor. You know, Nike did commercials about her and all this kind of crazy (laughs) stuff, you know. My wife's best friend is this gal, Joetta Clark, and Joetta Clark's a four-time Olympian in the 800 meters for the USA, and they were roommates in college and best of friends still to this day. And and I can tell, I'm around these people. My wife was an Olympian in volleyball. But when you talk about this right stuff to be a champion runner, what what do you mean by that? Well, Basically, it's talent, I guess. It's a little bit rude to say that, but there are certain people who have this amount of talent that they can utilize. Right now, the world's best runners are uh, East Africans. They come from places like Kenya, Ethiopia, 
and uh, you look at them and you know they're never going to play in the uh, NFL or the NBA. You know, basically they were born to be runners. Right. And uh, to, to use a Bruce Springsteen uh, title, and, uh, you know, it does really take talent. But I remember when I was uh, coaching briefly at that high school in Long Beach, right. um, Indiana, you know, you could walk through the, the halls and you could say, oh, there's that guy, there's that girl, I really think they could help me on my cross-country team, but sometimes they don't have the motivation to get out and do it, and they suddenly waste that talent, and and um, that's really one of the saddest things. But, you know, basically, you're born with uh, talent to do something. Maybe it's to kick a soccer ball, uh, or um, many, many other things, or maybe you're going to be... Sell a house. <laughs> or maybe you're going to be like uh, one of my grandsons who's a rocket scientist Jeez. for NASA. Uh, so you do, you find out what's best for you, you find out what you do it, but that's only like the one-tenth of the one percent. Mike, People are the people beyond that, the 99% of the people who are not going to win at the Olympics here, not going to have gold medals hung around their shoulders and the band plays the Star Spangled Banner, but yet they can have tremendous success in participating in a sport that's become more and more and more and more a people sport, a folk sport, as you, as you might call it. When I graduated from high school uh, on uh, Chicago you know I was literally the only person running uh, on Lakeshore Drive uh, along mm-hmm. along Lake Michigan on a Sunday there were no other runners out there wow. and I never realized that eventually within a decade or two running would explode and uh, people um, I, I hate to use the word ordinary talents too bad we can't quote in something a little bit better mm-hmm. but uh, people who uh, are just people yeah. and can enjoy the run and succeed by crossing a finish line. It doesn't really matter whether you got beat by some couple of hundred, couple of hundred, five or 10,000 people in front of you, but another five or 10,000 people behind you. You can be part of a participating sport and, and you can love it and it can love you. Well, speaking of ordinary guys, I want to tell you a story here you're going to love. So I was, a number of years ago, I was doing the Carlsbad Half Marathon. So our company's in Carlsbad. Our building was right up the street. We had 400 employees. I have thousands of clients. And word got out that I was running this half marathon. So a bunch of folks said, hey, we're going to cheer you on at the finish line. And I was I was not that long into the running and so on and so forth. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want hundreds of people showing up. You know, I'm not exactly Kip Quino here. So anyway, I'm, I'm plugging along. I'm doing my thing. And I'm grinding along. And I'm, I am not going to run this in two hours, right? So it's looking like it's going to be about 2.15. And I'm near the end. And all of a sudden... The crowd starts cheering. I'm getting near the end. There's more and more people on the side roads. There's more and more people on the streets, and they start cheering. And I, at first, I was kind of, oh, there's there's the folks who are here to see me. And then it got louder, and I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm not exactly, like, winning the marathon here. <laughs> so I'm coming along. It's getting louder and louder and louder. And now there's, like, people. And I'm looking around. There's thousands of people cheering. I don't know any of them. I'm like, what is going on? And I was in that spot kind of where I'm all by myself. Like, There's people in front of me. There's people behind me. I mean, you know that you're running. You're just in your own little spot. So the next thing you know, this Kenyan goes by like he's sprinting a 100-yard dash. <laughs> well, it turns out the Carlsbad Half Marathon and Marathon runs at the same time. He was finishing the marathon in the same time that I was running the half marathon, and I thought all these people were cheering for me. I was so pissed off. I just didn't know what to do. 
<laughs> and I, I tried to sprint with him for about 50 yards, and I just gave up the ghost. So that was that's the greatest example of talent and non-talent you can find right there. But you know what? I used the house Higgins system. I finished in 212, and he won the marathon in 210. So other yeah, than that. Yeah, well, heck, that's, they're both great times. I mean, two hours for a half marathon, uh, that's pretty impressive to me. And, you know, I've been around the the Kenyans for a while, and uh, uh, they, uh, there are times that they are just ordinary runners, too, because mm. one year I was at the Boston Marathon, and I went out for a warm-up run a couple of days before the race uh, along the Charles River, and now I'm heading back to the hotels, and I see these two Kenyans coming toward me, and we're both sort of hit the hill heading up to the hotel at the same time, and they were running slower than I was. This is in my 50s, 60s, you know. Mm-hmm. They were running like 10, 12-minute miles, and what a lot of people, ordinary runners, again, not a, not the bad use of that word, but uh, the, the, the folk we love, you know, they think that the Kenyans run every workout at five-minute mile pace or faster, and they don't. Uh, they have their easy days just as well as we do. Mm. If they're going to be running the Boston Marathon, they're out there running at a very slow pace the day before. Uh, the same guys I saw and actually, I had to slow down. I didn't want to embarrass myself by going by them at a jogging pace. I saw them on TV the next day in front of the race. So uh, we all <laughs> have our various talents, and it's yeah. the best way try to find out the best way to utilize it. Right. That's great stuff. I, I've got a couple more things here for you, and then I have five questions that I ask every guest on our show that I'm just going to ask you so we, we get to know Hal a little bit. You've achieved a lot of things. You've competed and finished in the top five in the Boston Marathon, Olympic trials eight times, and did this later in life, trained millions of people. Of all the things you've, you've achieved, what, what do you look back on your career and say you're most proud of? Well, my best race probably would have been uh, back in 1975 at the World Masters Championships in Toronto, Ontario, uh, the last lap of the 3,000-meter steeplechase, which was my signature event. I went by runners from Australia, New Zealand, won the race uh, in a time that uh, 45 years later is still an American uh, record. It's the wow. oldest Masters record on the book. So competitively, that certainly would be the high, if you'll allow me a a second high, I would yeah. say the fact that I'm able to uh, communicate every day, every morning when I get up on Twitter and Facebook and communicate with people who have their own goals that might not be as high as mine would have been 45 years ago, but in some respects are even more important. Yeah. That's amazing. You are still getting it done, full of life, full of energy. And like you said, you're heading for a bike ride this afternoon. I you're half man, half amazing, Hal. That's what I got to say. Let me ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions here as we finish up that our audience is very familiar with, and I'll give them a little insight into Hal Higdon. Uh, the first one would be, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Keep going. You know, start mm. slow and finish fast. Nice. <laughs> That's good. Uh, who, who was it who gave you that advice? I think I gave myself that advice. I'm a great advice giver, and every now and then I listen to what I said. You know what? That is a great truth. That is a great truth. I love that answer. Uh, Next thing, what one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? I wish I could play the piano. Yep. Uh, I love music. I love classical music. uh, We're down in uh, Florida right now. went to a concert of the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra. They blew me away with a Beethoven and C. I wish I'd... Uh, had the talent to be able to on the stage with those symphonic yeah. orchestra people. You know what's funny? That That's the number one answer I've gotten in all the years of doing this. And, uh, you know, for all the moms that are out there listening who are, are making their kids take piano and 
lessons and <laughs> guitar lessons stick at it because all these successful people I interview say they wish they'd have stuck with it or learned it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Uh, let me ask you this. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Oh, boy, what book's most been instrumental in my life? Probably Ernest Hemingway's Old Man on the Sea. I was uh, in the Army in the time uh, over in Germany, and I wandered into the library, um, picked a copy of it uh, off the shelf, started reading, and uh, then I sat down, and I didn't need to leave the library until I'd finished reading the book. My favorite all-time book, uh, a second would probably be Fitzgerald's uh, Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's great. No, uh, our producer, David Lally, is not only is he a Ernest Hemingway fan, he's actually the Irish version of Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> so we love that. If there's a movie you watch over and over again, you're scrolling through the channels. I know you're not doing that too much. You're more of an outdoor guy than an indoor guy. But what's the one movie that always makes you stop and take a look at? Oh, Cool Hand Luke, without no! question. <laughs> Come on, Hal! Yeah. Yes! Well, I loved it when I saw it in the theaters, and uh, I think which which one of our kids was getting married and there was a long, long period of time between the wedding in the morning and the reception in the evening and Cool Hand Luke was yeah. on a continuous loop playing in our front room. <laughs> Everybody was watching it. I, that just uh, went with me. I, it's so sad that Newman never got the, an Oscar for mm -hmm. that particular movie. It was probably his, his best movie of all time. I loved that movie so much as a child. I was raised Catholic, so I was on our confirmation. You, gotta, you get to pick a saint's name. And um, I wanted to be named Luke. It was going to be Brian Anthony Luke Buffini. And my mother goes, you're not doing that because you want to be after that cool hand Luke, not Saint Luke, you little rat. <laughs> so my two favorites all time is cool hand Luke, the first part of my life, and Shawshank Redemption, the second part of my life. So I haven't met too many cool hand Luke fans, but that just made my day right there, Hal. Okay. Last but not least, you've been at this for decades and decades. You're living the good life. What's one thing left still on your bucket list to do? Stay alive, I guess. Uh -huh. you know, at 88, you're sort of thankful for uh, the next day. Uh, I think the goal is to see our kids and grandkids uh, continue the spirit. A number of our grandchildren are, are runners as, as well. Mm. So, uh, you know, we've had a very, very happy family, and uh, just as long as I can have the family around me, I'm happy. That's great stuff. Well, that's the good life, isn't it? I, I actually played golf with a friend of mine a couple of months ago who's 94 years of age, and he's a brilliant guy, and he said to me, Brian, I wish I knew how young I was when I was 87. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff. Well, we are just thrilled to have had you on here today, you know, from establishing a goal, don't go it alone, make it fun and exciting, be consistent. Maybe you're pushing yourself too hard. All great lessons for, for running, great lessons for life. For those of you who want to learn about running and about life, I recommend you go to halhigdon.com. We're excited about the book coming out, Marathon, The Ultimate Training Guide. It's coming out here uh, this week. And uh, you've helped millions of people like myself in the Clydesdale division, the ordinary guys and gals uh, compete and achieve goals. And I've also been inspired by it to help people, whether it's their business or their life, the same rest run cycle, the same go long, go short. I've used it in many ways in coaching people in business. So we only met today, but I've been a big fan of yours for decades. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Hal. I, I really appreciate you being on our episode today. And I wish you the best with the new book. So thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you, Brian. You betcha. I'm going to throw it over to Ernest Hemingway himself, Mr. David Lally. He's got a few things to share with you as we finish up our episode today. Wow. To be even whispered about in such company as Mr. Hemingway. Too much.
So great to hear from Hal today. Thanks for being on the show, Hal. It seems to be a commonality that to succeed, you need someone in your corner cheering you on. We've been doing that here at Buffini & Company for years with thousands of small business owners across North America who benefit from our business coaching. Check out buffiniandcompany.com BC for a free consultation and see if we're the coach for you. And in the meantime, I'll leave you with an Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.